More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. It's Kelly with you, and I want to thank you, as always, for tuning into the podcast today. Hey, if you haven't checked out the brand new website, SurvivorSanctuary.com, I want to encourage you to go there. It's a brand new site. You can give feedback on podcast episodes. You can contact me if you want to chat about something. You can learn more about the podcast there. Again, it's SurvivorSanctuary.com. And you can also join us on Facebook if you haven't yet. We have a private Facebook group there. Search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast, request to join, answer the multiple choice question, and I will let you into the group and you can join the conversation about all of the podcasts there. Well, I want to dive into today's episode. This is a story out of the news that inspired the episode today. I just really wanted to talk about some arrests that were made in Midland, Texas, and I had a very weird reaction to this story when it came up on my Facebook feed. In the city of Midland, Texas, at Midland Christian School, five administrators were arrested and charged with failing to report an incident with the intent to conceal neglect or abuse. So five administrators were arrested, including the superintendent, the principal of the secondary school, the vice principal of the secondary school, the athletic director, and the head baseball coach. I'm going to paraphrase some stuff from an article from CBS 7 in Midland, Texas. It shares that on or about January 20th, a student athlete was sexually assaulted with a baseball bat in a locker room. Apparently, it was a hazing incident. They say that the young man went into the locker room, the lights were all turned off, he was beaten, and then he was sexually assaulted with a baseball bat. And The court documents report that the coaches and administrators knew about the sexual assault and they were instructed to investigate on their own without contacting law enforcement. We all know that this is a ginormous no-no. If you've been listening to this podcast at all or you know anything about sexual abuse in the church or in Christian schools, um, this happens a lot, but we're not qualified to investigate. I mean, sure, we can look into things, but that's not what's legally required, especially at a school where they're mandated to report abuse. Instead, they decided we're going to conduct our own little internal investigation and about a week later, the police were made aware of the assault that had happened at Midland Christian School. And so they went and did what the police do. They interviewed the victim and also spoke to the principal and some others at the school. Then several days after that, the superintendent of Midland Christian School called investigators and according to an affidavit, refused to answer any questions, told the police they needed to get a search warrant. And later that day, that is exactly what the police did. They searched Midland Christian School with this warrant. They found documentation of the assault that was created around February 11th or 12th, and they found emails between the coaches, the administrators, and initial complaints that allege that these faculty members refused to report the assault. Again, I'm quoting some from CBS7.com and their article about this news story, which broke on February 16th, my birthday, by the way, last week. 
And I said that I had a really weird reaction to this. And of course, I'm never happy to hear that someone has been sexually assaulted. That part of the story was very sad, but I was actually super encouraged when I read this news article. And the reason was because it was accompanied by the mugshots of these five administrators in their orange jumpsuits, people who have these squeaky clean, shiny Christian, you know, reputations and their administrators at a Christian school. And they've been arrested and are being charged for attempting to conceal a sexual assault of a minor on school property, which, by the way, is completely illegal. And now I'm not rejoicing in somebody's misfortune. I mean, that might be what it sounds like. Yay, you know, people at a Christian school were arrested. But oh my goodness, even just listening to stories on this podcast and interviews we've done with people who have been victims of sexual abuse by uh, school teachers or by other students on school campuses and schools and churches not reporting, you know that this is something that happens a lot. And the choice to conceal sexual abuse is always wrong. And this time, I think the reason that it was so encouraging was, you know what? This failure to report didn't result in some kind of lame slap on the wrist or a stern talking to by police. It actually resulted in these administrators and coaches being arrested because they broke the law. So again, not trying to rejoice in anybody's misfortune, but this isn't misfortune. This is called justice. And if you look at it from any other angle, if a bunch of people in a school administration were covering up robberies on school campus and like people were coming in and stealing cars and the school decided we don't want to report this to the police you know we're just going to keep it hush hush and do our own investigation meanwhile students are losing their property left and right like if we covered up for people who were trying to conceal robberies or home invasions or murders or any other crime pretty much like we could all get behind the fact that it's wrong but i think what's crazy with sexual abuse what is just completely insane is that most people will find a way to justify the lack of reporting and a school administration's decision to not tell police and then even lament the fact like, oh, we're being persecuted because we were arrested. No, that's not what's happening at all. It is illegal to conceal sexual abuse. As a school teacher, as a school administrator, as a school coach, you have a duty to report sexual abuse and sexual assault on your premises. And I think that the reason so often that schools do not report this is for one reason and one reason only, and that is because they want to keep their school out of the scandal headlines. And it's really like self-protective, like we see in churches all the time. Like we don't want the church's reputation to look bad. We don't want the school's reputation to look bad. We don't want parents to take their kids out of the school because that could result in us losing money. We don't want people to think badly of us and, you know, us to have a bad name in the news. And people are going to think badly of our school if they find out that a child was sexually assaulted here. And so we choose, and by we, I mean the people who do these things, they choose institutional self-protection over the protection of kids. And I think that one of the reasons that I was encouraged by this article and the fact that these administrators and coaches were actually arrested, I think one of the reasons that it was so encouraging to me is because I really think This is something that can make a huge difference when it comes to finally getting churches and Christian institutions to report sexual abuse and assault. Now, is it perfect? Will people all stop concealing sexual abuse if they know they can be arrested for it? No, I I don't think that that's going to happen. Like in a perfect world, maybe it's not going to fix everything. 
But I think that we've seen that it takes a personal threat, like a threat to something that you value and hold dear to get people to actually report sexual abuse. Should it take that? Not at all. I feel like we should look at a child who has been sexually assaulted with a baseball bat in a dark locker room. Like we should look at that situation and we should say, hey, this is a person created in God's image who was violated and assaulted and this is not okay. And the perpetrators need to be held accountable for this. And this child needs to get the help that he needs to be able to move past this and, you know, to not be traumatized for the rest of his life. We should just have the compassion of Jesus, especially as school administrators. Like, you know what? This needs to be handled. The truth needs to be told. And we just are going to have to deal with the consequences, whatever they may be, for standing up for this child and making sure that he's okay. But so often that's just not, that's not what you get from schools and from churches and Christian institutions. It's not what you get. And I, I know that people would argue this. People would say, that's not true. Not all churches are like this. And you know what? Maybe not every single church is like this, but so many are. And so many Christian schools are. I mean, we have story after story right here on this podcast that tells us this is what Christian institutions do so much of the time. They want to conceal any sexual abuse or sexual assault that happens on their premise whether it's from another student, whether it's from a teacher or an administrator, they don't want that negativity out in the public eye or ear. And the reason is because they need to self-protect. They need to protect their salaries and their school's reputation and all the good stuff that goes along with that. And so often it's at the expense of every single victim. Like the victim somehow is expendable. And it just seems to fly out the window that, okay, this is a person created in God's image who needs help. This is a person who something horrible happened to, and they need to be supported, and they need justice. And the Bible talks a lot about justice and not just like mercy and compassion for the perpetrator. Like for some reason, that's what we grab onto. But I think it's less because we really want to be compassionate to a perpetrator and more because we don't want our own lives to be disrupted. And that's what it comes down to. We want to choose the path. And by we, again, I'm talking about the churches and the Christian institutions that cover up sexual abuse. They want to choose the path that's going to be the easiest and the least traumatic for them personally. So hiding everything, keeping it out of the news, keeping it hush hush is obviously going to be a little bit easier than everybody finding out that this hideous thing has happened at your Christian school or at your church. But how quickly would that change? I mean, first of all, how quickly would it change if we actually cared about the things that Jesus cared about? But second, how quickly would it change if these same pastors and school administrators and teachers knew that their own backsides were on the line if they didn't report? How much would it change the choice to report or to not report? How much would it change how much you care about that child? If you knew, hey, if I make the wrong move here, if I don't do the right thing, I can be arrested for it. If I fail to report, I'm going to jail and I'm going to be prosecuted. And it does vary state by state. Um, So I will say that and we'll get into that in a minute. But I just think that the reason that I found this encouraging is because typically when you see these stories, you hear about people saying, well, the church didn't support me and the church didn't uh, report what happened to me or the school didn't report what happened to me or this happened to me at a school and then another school hired the teacher, you know, who assaulted me. It's just there are always these very sad stories and church people being like, well, we should go easy on these administrators because, you know, they did what they thought was right and, and the Lord forgives 
forgives and everything's fine. You, you know, that's typically what you see. And so it was encouraging to me to see, you know what? You covered up the assault of a child on your school premises. As mandatory reporters, you're not allowed to do that. And the laws in Texas are actually pretty decent uh, child protection laws. I was encouraged to read that. And again, we'll get into that in a second. But it just really encouraged me. It encouraged me to see that when the school is not on the side of the victim, at least the law is on their side and that they followed through with this, that it wasn't just, again, a slap on the wrist, but these administrators were actually arrested. Um, They exchanged emails and the police found these emails, emails that said, yeah, we're not going to report this and people just refusing to report. And for selfish reasons, listen, the choice to not report is almost always, if not 100% always, completely selfish. Um, The choice not to report is usually about saving your own hide. So if people start to see these stories in the news, if people start to see and become aware, hey, you know, being complicit in covering up sexual abuse, even, you know, if somebody just, you just send a random email, say you read an email that an administrator sends, seeing that this happened, and then you personally don't report when you're a mandated reporter, and you know that that's going to put your freedom at stake, like you're going to get arrested or there's a chance that you could, I feel like that that is going to steer schools in a little bit of a different direction. It's kind of the way that I feel about sexual abuse lawsuits against churches and Christian institutions. It just feels like one of the only ways that change is ever going to take place when a church realizes, hey, if we don't handle this the right way, if we don't help this victim, and if we don't make sure that everything's above board, this could come back to bite us in the form of a lawsuit, we could lose money. Again, we should care about people, and we shouldn't have to resort to caring about things like lawsuits or getting arrested. Um, But apparently that's what it's going to take uh, for us to see change. So I kind of feel that way about Christian institutions and schools, uh, the same way I feel about churches with lawsuits. And the same with churches. If a pastor realizes, if I don't, you know, report this, I could get arrested. And that's something that's in the forefront of everybody's mind. And it's something that's in the church policy. And people know this. I really do think that that can help create change as long as law enforcement does their job and prosecutors do their job of actually following through and arresting people who cover up sexual abuse. I think that that's really, really important. So I mentioned that laws about reporting and people who are considered mandatory reporters vary by state. So I'm going to read you something from childwelfare.gov regarding clergy as mandatory reporters of child abuse and neglect. And this actually includes school teachers and administrators as well. But it says here um, at childwelfare.gov, and I will link to this in the show notes, that every state, the District of Columbia, American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, have statutes that identify persons who are required to report child maltreatment under specific circumstances. Approximately 28 states in Guam currently include members of the clergy among those professionals specifically mandated by law to report known or suspected instances of child abuse or neglect. In approximately 18 states and Puerto Rico, any person who suspects child abuse or neglect is required to report it. And this inclusive language appears to include clergy. Here's the thing. Like, I kind of wish there was this blanket law for all 50 states and and all territories that, like, if you don't report child sexual abuse when you suspect it or when you've been informed of it and you know that it happened... 
you are going to get arrested because it is a felony. And I wish that it were a felony in every single state. It is not yet a felony in every state. Sometimes it is classified as a misdemeanor. Sometimes it's not against the law at all, depending on who you are. And in many states, even though these laws are in effect, you're not seeing many people get arrested for failing to report child abuse unless they somehow have a huge part in it. You don't see it very often. You don't see five school administrators arrested for not reporting sexual abuse. Like that's not something that we see very often at all. And I think that's one of the reasons that I found it encouraging. Again, not to like rejoice in someone's misfortune, but to rejoice that when people break the law and refuse to value a human being's life, they're held to task for it. And I think that that's so, so important because those kind of arrests are going to help our children be safer. Are they going to be a cure-all? No, probably not. But I just think that it's encouraging. People start to see this, school administrators see this, and suddenly they're like, oh dear, I'd better be really careful if somebody comes to me and tells me that something happened on my school campus because this could come back to bite me. So I want to bring something else to your attention from childwelfare.gov, and I'm going to link to this in the show notes as well. And I think it's important to look through this and read this. Depending on what state you're in, you could share this with your church, you could share this with your Christian school, you could ask to see policies and, and what the child protection policies are for your kids. And I would say that if your church or school's child protection policy doesn't contain immediate reporting of abuse or suspected abuse to the police, then you should run because that's something that needs to be in that policy and it's something that needs to be adhered to. Um, So I'm going to read this to you from childwelfare.gov, their article, Penalties for Failing to Report and False Reporting of Child Abuse and Neglect. It says many cases of child abuse and neglect are not reported even when mandated by law. Therefore, nearly every state and U.S. territory imposes penalties, often in the form of a fine or imprisonment, on mandatory reporters who fail to report suspected child abuse or neglect as required by law. And now that's important as required by law. It's going to vary in every single state. And in Texas, where this Midland school had all those arrests of administrators and coaches, actually has some pretty strict laws about reporting sexual abuse, which I found very encouraging. Um, But you can look through this list state by state in alphabetical order, and you can find your state and you can see the penalties for failure to report. And again, in some states, it is a class one misdemeanor. Uh, Some states, it is a class whatever felony, and I don't know all the different classes, but It's important to know and to find out what's happening in your state. Let's take a look at Texas because this is where this story actually came out of and this is where these teachers were arrested. And people like to give Texas a hard time like for being the good old boys club or whatever. And I mean, I'm not saying without good reason, but I think that it's encouraging that in Texas, this is where these arrests were made. Like you don't report child sexual abuse. You don't report child sexual assault on your school property. You're all getting arrested. Congratulations. You need a lawyer and some money and possibly, you know, a year of free time to spend in prison. So under their failure to report codes in Texas, it says a person commits an offense if the person is required to make a report under the act and knowingly fails to make a report as required. And you have to see as required, you have to find out what is the requirement and go from there. A person who's a professional commits an offense if the person is required to make a report and knowingly fails to make a report as provided in this chapter. 
Now, an offense by a person is a class A misdemeanor in Texas, and that is an offense of not making a report or knowingly failing to make a report of child abuse or neglect. But here's where these teachers got in trouble. It says an offense by a professional is a class A misdemeanor, except that the offense is a state jail felony if it is shown on the trial of the offense that the actor intended to conceal the abuse or neglect. And obviously those emails going around um, that the police found showed that these people intended to conceal this and refused to report it. So I would, again, check out childwelfare.gov, and I'm going to link to both of these pages that I just cited. They're PDFs. You can download. You can share it with your church. You can highlight it. You know, Get a little red highlighter and circle the area they need to be aware of. And again, it kind of stinks that you know churches don't just say, oh my goodness, this child was hurt, uh, wounded on our property. We've got to alert the police and do everything we can to help. Like it kind of stinks that that doesn't scare people into action. It actually takes fear and the fear of personal consequences to get so many people in Christian institutions and churches to actually care about reporting child sexual abuse. That should not be so. It shouldn't be. It should not be a thing that we have to grapple with, but we've seen it and we've seen it so much that we know that it just is. It is something we have to deal with. We have to deal with the church or Christian institutions concealing sexual abuse for very selfish reasons, typically for self-protection. But there are penalties for failure to report. And I think that if your church or your private Christian school where you send your kids is very aware of these things and has a policy in place that doesn't tolerate the non-reporting of abuse, then it's going to be so much better for everybody involved. And one of the things that's really frustrating about this story is that this child told. Somebody found out that this happened. So the child told or somebody who knew what happened told. Um, And this is not something that happens all the time. A, A lot of the times, you know, the shame and the trauma, people keep it to themselves and they keep it buried. And that's pretty typical of sexual assault. It just is. It's it's something that's just a reality. Um, so the fact that this child came forward and the fact that this was known, like that's huge. And the school's response to the courage of this kiddo, you know, to come forward and to say what happened uh, is let's bury it, you know, like this, let's just bury it down. And I think that for a lot of schools, they would prefer that kids keep things to themselves for 20, 30 years after the statute of limitations has expired. So they don't have to worry about court cases, civil lawsuits or anything like that. So it's frustrating that this child came forward. It's frustrating that so many people knew exactly what happened and that this is the end result that they tried to conceal it well now we know they're not going to be able to conceal it I think in the future obviously this school is probably not going to be stuck in a similar situation I mean I would say if they know that the result is getting their mugshot in an orange jumpsuit they're probably going to be very very quick to report and it's interesting that maybe not everybody you know will be quick to report maybe there are some people who still think you know if this doesn't get out we don't have to worry about it or we still may be able to keep it under wraps like even if there are still people like that there's going to be somebody there that remembers those orange jumpsuits and is going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to jail so you can cover this up. And they're just more likely to get the stories out there and get them to the police where they need to be, which is exactly how it should be. I also want to talk a little bit about how I feel like this affects 
the victims in these cases. And we've talked to so many sexual abuse survivors here on this podcast, and you've probably heard them on other podcasts and seen stories on social media and in books. And you just hear about these institutional cover-ups and you hear about school administrations doing the wrong thing. And I just wonder what it would be like what it would be like for every person who has ever suffered at a Christian institution, a Christian school or a church, anyone who has experienced assault or has been abused at an institution, what would it be like for those kids to have their pain and their hurt validated by seeing not just their perpetrator in an orange jumpsuit, but the teachers and the school principal and the administrators who decided that they wanted to cover it up. I think that we forget sometimes how healing justice is for survivors because so many of us don't get it. So many of us will never know what it's like to see the person who perpetrated sexual abuse against them be held to task for it or the people who tried to help cover it up be held to task for it. And I think because so few of us have seen that, it's kind of hard to picture it in our heads. But imagine what it would have been like in your own story if the people who violated you were held to task and if the people who tried to cover up that violation of you were held to task as well. And if you saw all those people who contributed to your abuse and your traumatization and your re-traumatization based on the fact that they didn't help you get justice, like if you saw all those people in orange jumpsuits getting their mugshots taken because they failed to protect you and they failed to report what was done to you. Can you imagine, like, I feel like my story would have been completely different if I had seen my abuser be brought to justice for what happened to me. And it's sad that the government is who we have to rely on for that. It's sad that the police are who we have to rely on for that. Again, they have their place in our churches and and always will. Like, let's not try to investigate all of these assaults or sexual abuses in-house. We definitely need the police for those investigations, but I just mean the church as a whole should definitely be better about caring about justice for the abused and helping the abused to get justice. Like they should care more. And so often instead you go into courtrooms and you have people from the church writing sappy letters to the judge about how wonderful a person this child rapist is and how the judge should go easy on him because, you know, he's just served the community so well. Meanwhile, the victims whose lives are never going to be the same are just sitting and not only dealing with the aftermath of their abuse, but they're dealing with listening to these, in quotes, people of God siding with their perpetrator and trying to make it seem like this little thing that the perpetrator did so that the perpetrator doesn't get in trouble. It's just crazy. So just imagine the difference in your own story and in the story of others actually receiving justice for what was done to you that was wrong. And seeing the people who helped cover it up be brought to justice as well. And it's not really a thing of revenge that I'm talking about. That's that's not it. It's not like I'm suffering and you need to pay for it. It's how far that justice goes in reminding a victim that they're not worthless, that they're not nothing. Because that's really what abuse teaches us. Abuse teaches us that we are of no value. Abuse teaches us that we are worthless except to be used by somebody who doesn't care about us, you know? And those are the messages our brains are constantly receiving when we're sexually abused as children. 
So imagine how far it would go to counteract that when you see your perpetrator being brought to justice and the people who tried to conceal it or cover it up or who didn't take your story seriously or who just thought you should get over it. Imagine those people being brought to justice as well for their part in trying to cover up your abuse. I just think it goes a really long way toward reminding victims of sexual abuse. You are of value. Your life is valuable. This person has been brought to justice because they did something to you, a valuable human being. I think that a lot of our stories would just be very, very different if we had received that kind of support. Like I can't even imagine as a kid, and this is not anything I ever wanted, but I'm just like imagining, had I told my parents or had they somehow found out and had the police been called? I mean, it's a little scary in a third world country to think of what might have happened um, because even now in Indonesia, when a community finds out that someone has been sexually abusing their children, uh, typically really bad things happen to that person before the police ever show up. But trying not to think about that part, because that always scared me in coming forward. Like, I don't want anybody to get hurt because of me. But at the same time, I wonder what it would have been like if I'd had adults in my corner saying, this was not your fault. And it's a big deal what happened to you. And, you know, this person has to be brought to justice for what they did to you because it's a crime. Not only is it an, a grievous sin, it is a crime. And to see justice being brought in that way, I mean, I, I don't know how my story would have been different. I think I would have had some extra layers of trauma, though, knowing that the perpetrator's family and his church and some of the other missionaries, you know, probably dealing with the fallout from church people who think that you should just let things go and never tell on anybody who's a Christian because nobody should have to go to jail if they're a Christian. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I know that this wouldn't perfect everybody's story, but I just think it goes a long way to show. Like, that kid who was assaulted, like, that wasn't okay. What happened to you? was disgusting. It was horrible. It was traumatizing. And what's even more disgusting is that there were five adults who freaking knew what happened at a minimum, five adults who knew what happened, who were mandatory reporters and who decided to cover it up for their own selfish reasons. And now those selfish people are in orange jumpsuits and they're going to be brought to justice as well, because that's how valuable you are. And that's how big a deal it is what happened to you. I just think that that kind of support for survivors of sexual abuse is game changing. It is completely game changing. And I think that that's one of the reasons that people fight so hard to change laws and to change legislation, because I'm in reading like this is not all encouraging and reading uh, childwelfare.gov, like what is considered um, to be concealing child sexual abuse or who is considered a mandatory reporter or what the penalties are. That's kind of discouraging what the penalties are for failing to report. And typically you're going to see people getting slaps on the wrist and possibly fines, but I don't even hear about that very often. But I think that it should be more severe. Like if you want to cover up something this huge, if you want to cover up a felony, it's a felony. And child sexual abuse is a felony. So I feel like the concealing thereof should be a felony in all 50 states and all U.S. territories. Let's all write letters to our congressmen and our senators and all that good stuff. And honestly, I would love to be a part of 
any work that would help to change the penalties for failing to report child sexual abuse, or even worse than failing to report, is actively concealing that abuse. It's just disgusting, and it's so traumatizing and re-traumatizing for the victims of the sexual abuse and the sexual assault. So yes, I might sound like a jerk, and I might sound like a very non-Christian and forgiving person. That's not it at all. To be happy, though, and practically gleeful seeing these five administrators and in looking like fabulous squeaky clean Christians, except for the fact that they're wearing orange jumpsuits and they're getting their mugshots taken because they did something horrible. Like it made me happy. And while that might make me seem like a jerk, I'm definitely not a jerk. What I am is a person who cares about justice for victims of sexual abuse. It is important. It's not just important to me. It's important to God. It is important. It should be important to everyone who claims to know Christ. And I think that that's just something that needs to change. And guess what? Arresting people, I think, will go a long way toward helping that change. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about today, that article that came out. Going to link to the article, going to link to childwelfare.gov and those uh, PDFs that you can actually download and share with your church. Like, here's what's going to happen to you if you fail fail to report. Uh, So you might want to look over this. And again, I would say if your kids go to a Christian school and they don't have a child protection policy, like if their policy is not to immediately report an assault, get your kids out of there. Like just, I would not let my kids go to a school like that. Um, And unfortunately... There's a lot to protect in these institutions. It's money. It, ju- it just is. It's money. It's livelihoods. It's, it's people's careers. And they will protect that stuff so much more quickly than they will protect a child who has been sexually assaulted. That's sad. And it's disgusting, honestly. But it is the reality in which we live. It just is. I hope to see that change as well. Um, but I think that something that will help it change much more quickly than people's hearts actually being broken over the devastation of sexual abuse is people realizing they're going to go to prison. It's sad, but it's true. And that's what I've got for you today here on Survivor Sanctuary. Again, join us on our brand new website, SurvivorSanctuary.com. And you can join us in the Survivor Sanctuary podcast Facebook group and it's private. So you're not going to have trolls coming in and commenting on the things that you say. It is a supportive and uplifting group and we would love to have you there. Well, I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.